You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. All right, guys, it's November. So if you're listening to this, hopefully it's because you're on your way out to the deer stand or on your way out to a new hunt somewhere. But this episode is awesome. Me and my brother Josh are going to sit down and chat all about elk camp. We haven't done a recap episode yet, but we just got done not that long ago and Unfortunately, I haven't done much hunting since. I've been traveling. I've been down in Florida. I'm about to head to Wisconsin, but I do have a few days of solid hunting coming up. So fingers crossed, my luck changes this year. But as far as Colorado hunt goes, this episode is a full recap of all the events that took place when my brother and I went out to Colorado to my elk camp that I've been going to for years it's not my elk camp because I know my buddy Sean's going to be listening to this. Shane's going to listen to this and they're going to be like, this isn't his elk camp. What I mean by that is the main elk camp that I go to out in Colorado. My brother joined me for his very first elk hunt this year and just wait until you hear the story. So let's jump in. Like he was doing things that were just badass. That was one of the coolest moments of my life. I was really scared, but knowing that Dan had the gun, I did have the rifle, like, we would be okay. All right, guys, welcome to today's show. Now, on the show, my brother and I are on a Zoom call. We're going to be chatting all about the elk hunt because it was pretty gnarly. I mean, I know this was your first elk hunt. We gave our predictions. We talked about a lot of that stuff, but... This is a full recap. Elk elk camp's been done for like a week now. I had to be back, head to Florida. Rifle season started here in Missouri, but I was in Florida, and so I haven't been able to rifle hunt at all. I've got two days before heading up to Wisconsin. I mean, it's just been a wild three weeks or so, but thanks for hopping on, dude. Yeah, absolutely. What uh, initial thoughts looking back without giving too much away right out of the gate? It was, <laughs> uh, it was absolutely incredible. It was everything and more than I thought it would be. It was exhausting, um, but so enjoyable, so much fun. What, what did you think? Maybe we'll start with the four wheeling because I drove out to Denver and picked up your four wheeler, like on the way, yep. picked that thing up, loaded it on the trailer. Nick and I made it out to elk camp. We slept on like next to the truck the first night. Cause I was like, man, we could stop and pass out for a couple hours somewhere, but I kind of want to just drive straight through. And so we did pulled in parked on this like little dirt lot and just crashed, set up cots and sleeping bags. And that was it. Luckily, <laughs> I mean, you know how cold it was out there at oh, night. Yeah. Luckily, the night that we got there was like 60 degrees, so it wasn't that bad, but got a couple hours and then kicked off the hunt. But four-wheeling, dude, I told you it was going to be like 45 minutes to an hour and a half 
just one way to get to our spot every day. What do you think about that? Gosh, the, it was, it was a lot, yeah, a lot longer than I expected, a lot sketchier than I expected in some parts. And with not knowing that we'd have two people on one four-wheeler for a lot of the time, I wasn't expecting that. And that just, I mean, as you saw, that knocked everybody out pretty quick. Dude, riding those four-wheelers is no joke. The first year that I went out there, I borrowed one of, I think, Shane's four-wheelers. And it was a two-wheel two wheel drive, 350, with no power steering. And yep. you and Nick kept complaining. And I'm like, guys, what are you, like, quit being babies. We're just driving to the spot. It's not a big deal. And you guys are like, oh, my elbows hurt. My wrists hurt. My legs and my hips hurt. Oh, everything hurts. And I'm like, this is the easy part of the hunt. Yep. And then <laughs> I think it was towards the end of the week. Nick's like, dude, just humor me for a second and hop on this four-wheeler. And I'm like, fine, whatever. Within the first hundred yards, I'm like, dude, this thing sucks. Yeah. Yeah. Just the, yeah. Not having the power steering was a game change. When I rode yours that one day, I was like, oh dude, I could cruise these trails. No problem at all. But then I get, I'm just like, oh no, trying to stay on, stay on the tracks and not fall into a big rut. And yeah. Dude, you guys, was it on it with that? I mean, it was, it was just as bad for the person riding behind. (laughs) Yeah. Were, was it when we went scouting? I think we went scouting before season started because we got up there like two days early. Yep. Nick and I pulled in the morning of the second, like the two days before season started, we pulled in that morning. And I think it was the day before season. We went way up to the far end of where we typically hunt. And was that the day that you guys rolled the four-wheeler yeah so the day no so it wasn't that day yeah it was the day before opener um because the day before that i was driving and we went to a different section and then nick was saying how his hip was hurting and he couldn't ride on the back and i was like okay you can drive my four-wheeler i'll sit on the back and the first time he drives it we're going down and i'm just relaxing not paying much attention and all of a sudden we just tip right over and i i still don't even know how it happened because it wasn't even one of the sketchy spots we just right on over <laughs> dude there's just so many steep hills and so many exposed rocks that like especially at night you don't yeah. always see them and i was i had made it down this steep spot it wasn't like the worst by any means of the trails that we go on but it's not a fun spot especially at night and i kept looking back like the whole time I'd be driving, just ripping around on the trails, look back, make sure your lights are still coming. And you and Nick kept pulling up and Nick would be like, dude, just chill out a second, man. Like you don't have to go so fast. And I'm like, I'm not even going that fast. Meanwhile, come to find out you don't have power steering on your four wheeler. And yeah, I, it took everything in me to keep up with him when he rode mine and I was, he was going slow. And it was just like, just to keep it on the trail, hitting those rocks, those ruts, it just wanted to throw you every time. And so I was like driving down this steep spot and I look back and you guys are still on top waiting me for waiting for me to get to the bottom. I get to the bottom 
start cruising and I look back and I just see instead of side by side headlights, I see like stacked on top of one another headlights and I'm like, Oh crap. I ripped my four wheeler around and came back. And at that point you were walking towards me, like go ahead, head down, head down. And so yeah. then I had to back down that steep section and it, your four wheeler. I mean, luckily it like killed it like the kill yeah. switch or whatever. Once it tipped over, it just shut off. And I don't know if it just didn't get any gas or what, but luckily we got it started right away because we still had 20, 25 minutes from that spot to ride back to camp. At least. <laughs> yeah, that was that was ridiculous. Another guy from camp, he said he almost rolled his four-wheeler, and then I rolled mine. Not rolled oh, wow. it, but I tipped mine over. And that was just a really dumb thing. It wasn't even like a nasty spot these guys were coming down in their trucks and shane had pulled off to the side in the side by side you guys were all in the side by side and you guys pulled off to the side and i just backed down the hill a little bit and i started to back up the embankment but it was way steeper than i was expecting and i just like slowly started tipping and i tried to push my four-wheeler but i just jumped off of it and it tipped over busted my shooting sticks uh messed up a couple other things but luckily nothing too bad yeah so no no actual damage to the four-wheeler luckily yeah to anyone's four-wheeler <laughs> yeah everybody's four-wheeler made it out in one piece so that's good i did find out i've got a i've got a recall on my four-wheeler for like the a-arm in the back and so i've got yeah. to take that in tomorrow have them look at it make sure it's good but then also my four-wheeler started knocking at the end of camp you remember that it was just making that loud knocking sound and i don't know what it was but i've got to take that in hopefully it's nothing major i'm at 13 months on of owning it and it's only a 12 month warranty on it so oh <laughs> yeah that kind of sucks but let's uh let's get into the hunt so before before season started we scouted we didn't yep. see a ton but we saw elk i mean yep the first the first couple spots that we went or the same spot we went a couple times we just could not seem to find an elk to save our lives yeah. and then finally we went to kind of the the golden spot i mean where we always kill elk and that was on the trip when you guys tipped on the way back and right yeah. away we got up there and there was elk right in front of us i mean what was it three elk that went over the hill or yeah and yeah three or four of them ran up over the hill and then we immediately started glassing because we got up there pretty late we didn't have much daylight left maybe like 25 30 minutes to glass and yeah those three elk and then we saw that one smaller bull yeah still and then that really big bobcat yeah we saw yeah so we saw we saw the three elk go up and over like probably mm -hmm. 250 yards from us not far at all they were all cows Saw that bobcat, saw the bull at like probably 1,500 yards, maybe up to a mile. I mean, it was a long way off. And long then we way. also saw those uh, four cows down the bottom. Oh, yeah. Allie, yeah. So, I mean, we, we got on elk before season. But then after that, man, it was just dead. Like, so dead. Well, I mean, opening day we had, and I didn't look, but... I'd say at least 30 mile an hour winds 
and then the snow came in and we couldn't even there were plenty of times I, I'm guessing I couldn't see two, 300 yards in front of me and trying to glass in that with the wind blowing in your face. It was just, it was, there was nothing moving. I don't even know if anybody in our entire group saw anything that day. <laughs> yeah, it was, that was really slow. We, we had the fog that rolled in that knocked out a ton of, you know, glassing opportunity. It was like hit and miss. It would be absolutely nothing. And so, like, we just stopped and cooked mountain house meals because we were like, dude, we can't see anything. Hopefully, it'll pass. And then right when we went to head back to camp, it cleared up for, like, three or four minutes, and we could maybe see 500 yards. And yeah. then it went back to being white out again. I guess Nick did find Nick did find those sheds. He did? Right? Yeah, that's right. Sheds glassing or one of them. And he had never found an elk shed before, and – I was like, I'm not hiking down there. And he's like, can I do it? And sure enough, hikes right down the just to get the shed. <laughs> yep. He bombed down the mountain. And the thing is, dude, there's sheds everywhere out there. I mean, I've glassed so many up in the past. I've picked them up on pack outs and just like day hunting where you're just walking and there's one sitting right in front of you. It's so, it's so long after they drop that most of them are white on one side and then brown yeah. on the other, or they might be totally chalk white if they're from years past, but that was pretty sweet that he found a couple sheds. Yeah, absolutely. But yeah, we, that day was slow. Was it day two of the hunt that, oh no. So before that, we, we started seeing bear tracks. Like we saw bear tracks, what, three days in a row? We saw the bear tracks the day we scouted. Yep. Yeah, and that's we, right. And we thought they were wolf tracks as well. I mean, if not the biggest coyote I, I would have ever seen in my life. <laughs> yeah. Those are some big tracks, but all those bear the bear tracks and then those other tracks. Um, and then I don't think opening day we saw any bear because I don't think we we didn't make it to that spot where we scouted opening day just because uh all the snow coming in. We tried a new spot that was probably good hour ride on the four-wheeler um from the original spot we hunted in the morning because it looked clear down there and sure enough as soon as we get there the snow started dumping in and we couldn't do anything really yeah yeah we found those bear tracks and then before before the hunt started the night before opener everybody was hanging out in the wall tent and we we all decided like hey who's putting all in or who's putting in for for the biggest bull contest yep. and so all the people you know that were in put in their 100 bucks and uh that same day some guys from nebraska and one guy from colorado got in and they just left camp right away they they basically dropped all of their gear set up their like their big stuff whether it's their camper their trailer whatever wall tent and then they took off and they went in and spike camped so I think actually, wasn't it day one that Tubby's son shot his elk? I think that was the first day. Day one, he shot that one. Um, yeah, because it was the day before I shot mine, which would yeah. have been day two. Yeah. Yeah. So he they get out there and we find out, hey, there's they got a bull on the ground. And we're like, sweet, dude, that's awesome. And... uh 
we're like, okay, how big was it? You know, like we want to know as far as the big bull contest goes, they're like, it's a four by four or a four by five. We don't know for sure. Yeah. They just basically called and said, Hey, we got one down. And then, uh, we're like, Oh, okay. So first bulls off the table. And Sean was like, no dude, they didn't put in for the contest. Yeah. And we're like, Oh shoot. Yeah, there I think were only seven people that did. Yeah. But I think five people went to spike camp and only one put in. Yep. So, so they went back in there and they got a bull first day. They hung they hung the meat up in a tree and continued to hunt. Cause I mean the rest of the week we had cold weather. Like it was really cold a few of the nights that they were out there. But then we went yeah. out day two, and that's when the magic happened for you. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Day two that morning. I don't even I don't even know what time it was, you know, once we were headed out there, we were headed out there early. It was dark when we first set out and I don't know, maybe I'd say maybe like 15 degrees. I don't know how cold it was. It was cold. It was, it was pretty, um, I'd say, yeah, anywhere from five to 15 degrees and to the spot we were going, like you, like you said, probably an hour and a half four wheeler ride. I think one of the farthest spots I've ridden to are out there. Um, and we were probably maybe an hour in on our, on our drive. Yeah. On the four wheel. And sure enough, we see those bear tracks again at fresh snow overnight. It was moving overnight or early that morning and spotted those bear tracks. And a few of us had bear tags. So we pulled over and glass for those and, yeah, I mean, it's still unbelievable to me even thinking about how it all came down. You might remember it better than I do because I was just in, in shock when it all happened. Well, dude, but, when you get when you get on elk or bear or anything you have a tag for, it's just like tunnel vision. All of a sudden, it's like, shoot, it's exactly. go time. I got to get the rifle out. I got to be ready. And everyone's like looking at these bear tracks. And I mean, they were plain as day, like in the fresh snow. It snowed the night before. These were potentially within hours of us showing up, if not minutes of us showing up, the stride on the bear, you could tell it wasn't running. So I don't think we like came up and it got spooked and went across the two track, but we started looking and Sean was trying to get us to drop in after it. And I'm like, man, yeah, yeah. I, he looked at me and he goes, would you rather kill a bear or an elk? And I go, <laughs> Dude, I don't know. I was like, that's 50-50. I've never shot either. I was yeah. like, I've always wanted to shoot both. I was like, I have no idea. And he goes, well, if you want a bear, go after this sucker. Follow its tracks. And you and I were talking. Um, and I'm just like, dude, like, do we go after it? Like, what I didn't, because my experience, I've never hunted either. I didn't know what to do, you know? Yeah. And so I kind of up to you and to Sean. I'm just like, you guys tell me what's going on here. Cause I don't know what to do. I want to kill something. I just don't know which one I'd rather kill. <laughs> yeah, dude. When, when he said that, I mean, one thing that he's told me and he tells everybody out there is you can't hunt an animal from the same hillside. It's just too thick. And you got to experience that with the scrub Oak when oh, you're yeah. in it, you can't see, you just really can't. So you have to be across the Valley. And so it really shocked me when he said, Hey, just follow these tracks and and try to follow like follow it until you find it 
And I'm thinking the whole time, like, dude, that's not going to work. We'll never see it. Yeah. I just don't think it's going to work. And so I said, no, I was like, no, I don't think we should. Well, it was right around that time that I was like, dude, no, this isn't the way to hunt this bear. Someone was like, dude, we got elk. We got elk. And we've all been yep. standing there by the side-by-side -side in the four-wheelers, looking at these tracks, glassing down in the valley below us. And on the other valley, on the opposite side of the road from where that bear went, there's three cows standing there. And nobody with us, I don't think anybody with us had a cow, cow tag. But no. typically, if there's cows, there's a bull around somewhere. And it might not be a huge bull. It might not be the big herd. But usually, like... There's one bedded down 75 to 150 yards away and you look long enough and you might see it. So anyways, we all look at the cows. We all pull out our binos, the spotting scope. We're all checking them out. No bulls. So then we start going back to debating what to do about this bear. And it was what, like 10 minutes. And all of a sudden someone's like, bull, bull, bull. All right. How many of you guys hate dealing with tangled up rope, trying to untie it? It's all knotted up and you actually really need it at the time. Don't raise your hands because I obviously can't see you, but those days are long gone. Rapid Rope is a quick deploy rope solution that you can pull the length you need and cut it all with one hand. You don't need knives or scissors or lighter to singe the end because it's cross-threaded to keep it from fraying. Yeah, they've thought of everything. And this is way stronger than your average 550 cord. In fact, this is 1100 pound test. It comes in a shatterproof canister that you can fit in the cup holder in your vehicle or your backpack or, I don't know, if you still wear cargo pants, any one of the thousand pockets that you have. It comes in a 120-foot canister, a 70-foot canister, and you can get a rope refill. So just in a matter of seconds, you could be deploying and cutting rope with one hand again. So if you want to stop dealing with the headache of untying rope and detangling everything, Anytime you need to tie something down, go check out rapidrope.com and use code NOMADIC for 10% off at checkout. All right, guys, it's November, and you know what that means. It means the rut is on all across the country. There are deer moving everywhere. And if I could give you a tip, it would be just get out in the woods. It doesn't matter if you're on five acres or 500 acres. It doesn't matter if all of your trail cameras are showing the bucks are nocturnal, because guess what? The deer are moving and they are moving all throughout the day. They have no choice when the rut's going on. So if you want to increase your odds, just be out in the woods. If you want to increase your odds even more, get a pair of binos. And the best way to do that is to head over to eurooptic.com and enter code nomadic10 at checkout for 10% off your order. And now let's get back to today's show presented by Vortex. Yeah, it was Sean because Sean... We were talking about still maybe going after that bear, I think. Most people were glassing the bear and moving to different vantage points, trying to see where it was, if we could find it. And I think Sean just, because he was he was glassing for the bear too, and I think he just randomly turned around and was like, I'm going to take another look at these elk. And sure enough, I'm partially down the mountain, not far, maybe 30, 40 yards on the, on the hillside or the mountainside. And I hear that and I hear everybody, Josh, get your rifle. And oh, I'm dude, like, I, was, I, I was frantically trying to get you like, dude, it is go time right now. You better do this okay. because those elk were so high up on that finger that 
you know, I mean, like they go 10 more yards and they're gone. Like they're over the edge and you'll never see them again. There's no vantage point. Even if we drove back up the road, went all the way around, I don't think we would have been able to see them. And at the very most, we would have seen them, but they would have been out of range. And so I was like, Josh, right now, go, 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 go. And you're just like, uh, what? And I'm like, get the freaking rifle and get over here. There's a bull. And at that point, we didn't know if it was a legal one yet, but we wanted to be ready in case it was. So we're all looking through the binos. And I mean, we all had good binos. I think basically everybody except one dude was running Vortex binos. These elk were around 590, 600 away from us at that point. And we're all looking through, but that scrub oak behind, you can't see the, yep. you can't see the antlers very well. So it was like, well, everyone's like, Josh, is it a shooter? And I'm like, I can't count. I, 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 I can't see it well enough. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, we could clearly see it, but all of that scrub oak made it really hard to see how many, how many points it had or how long its brow tines were. And so then I was like, dude, I'm getting the spotter out. I grabbed the spotter. And I had just bought right before the trip. It actually came in the day before I went out there. I bought that Olin uh, magnetic phone scope adapter. And so I clipped that thing in. And I think it was Addie and her boyfriend were hanging out looking through that. I was looking through my binos, trying to get tripods set up for you to shoot off of. And they're like, it's a legal bull. It's a legal bull. So now I'm like, oh, dude, it's for sure go time. So you, yeah. can... <laughs> this is when I watched Josh do his wiggle dance. Explain this part to start from my perspective, and then you can. So everybody <laughs> is on their binos. I'm on the rifle. I had found the bull at this point, and I'd been on it for a while, but again, didn't know if it was a shooter. I look over and there's five, five or six of you guys all with binos on it. I wait to hear it's a definite shooter for sure. And I hear everybody go, take it, take it. It's broadside. It's in the open. Take it. And I'm sitting there and I'm not saying anything. And everyone's looking through the binos. No one's looking at me. And I'm first off, we just finished, like I said, an hour four wheeler drive. So I'm not saying it was just the cold because I know it wasn't, but my nerves never got buck fever in my life. And the buck fever I got plus how cold I was not having my hands in gloves because I'm holding the rifle. I'm just shaking. I mean, shaking uncontrollably. And I know I'm not shot, so I'm not taking it. My safety's still on. I'm just watching this bull at this point while everybody else is watching it. And all I keep hearing is take it, take it, take it before it goes and all of a sudden i just hear dan go oh dude he's not shooting he's shaking like a leaf and everyone <laughs> just in there shaking dude and I, I, that's when I, I go dude take the rifle i have to warm my hands up i have to calm my nerves just take the rifle from me and that's when you did and yeah i got under the exhaust and oh it was a it was a mess at that point <laughs> dude i was like he is not gonna get he's not gonna shoot this elk like he can't right now. And I remember that moment, man, where I think I, I said, go ahead and shoot. We're on him. We're on him. And then I looked over at you and I could see you on the rifle. And at first glance, I was like, dude, he's on it. He's going to shoot. 
And then I saw the barrel of the rifle just doing these like zigzags and S's and circles. And I'm like, oh, dude, there's no way he's stable enough right now. Well, and this bull, I mean, it was at 619 yards. And I'm thinking, you know, unless I'm completely steady, I'm not trying to go out there and wound an animal and not find it or have to track miles, you know. So I'm sitting there. And I'm in my mind, I'm just I'm not shooting because I can't control myself right now. I was so nervous. I was freezing cold, all of it combined. And then finally, yeah, you you were able to grab the rifle from me. You were watching it. I was warming up. And honestly, I was just praying. I was just like, Lord, call my nerves, warm my hands, (laughs) allow me to make a clean shot. And I think I think it was Sean walked up to me and he looks at me and he goes, don't wound this bill. Don't wound this bull. He's like, if you make a shot, make a good shot. And I'm thinking, dude, I can't even, my hands are shaking. <laughs> I don't <laughs> even know if I'm going to hit it at this point. I'm going to shoot a tree behind it, you know? Um, and so I was able to actually calm my nerves enough and, and relax enough. And I remember telling myself, I go, once you get on it, don't hesitate, you know, once you're steady and on it, you you shoot it. Because if I sat there and watched it, same thing would happen. I'd start yeah. shaking. Wouldn't get the shot. And luckily, it just it stayed on the hillside. Dude, stayed. well, I, when, I, <laughs> when I went and got that rifle, I, I put it on the tripod. And, like, I could stay on it. There was a second there where I'm like, he's not going to be able to shoot this bull. I'm just going to shoot it. And I think you even told me after the fact, in your mind, you were going – dude, if somebody else can make this shot, go for it because I was 30 seconds away. I no joke. As I was sitting there praying, warming my hands up and trying to get my nerves under control. My entire thought process was they all have a license to kill this bull. If they're able to take the shot, let somebody kill this. So it doesn't get away. Let somebody harvest bull and not let it get away. And it was pretty much at that moment when I was thinking that where I was like, my nerves came over me. I calmed way down, felt warm enough. And I was just like, okay, you've got this. Like this is your one chance. If you want to take this thing, you got to take it now. Well, and we got the, we got the second tripod set up under the stock. And I was like, all right, this is better. It's not great, but we just had to find a more permanent rest. And after the fact, after your shot, uh, I can't remember. I think it was Addie's boyfriend who was like, dude, we should have just gone back up the two track, like 20 yards. And he could have laid prone and shot that thing. And we all walked over and saw it. And I was like, dude, you got to be kidding me. We had a wide open spot. There was also a really solid fence post over there, but you did make a great shot. So walk, walk us through once you actually got back on the bull after you were warmed up, after your nerves had calmed down. Cause when your nerves were at their peak, dude, you weren't shaking. You were wobbling. Like I, dude, I looked, your knees were probably like two inch sway in your knees. I mean, they were all over the place. I believe it. And it was, it was, and I think this, so this happened before that I think, and I think we skipped this part a little bit, which I thank you for this. And I don't know who told me this. It was either you or Sean, but Sean spotted that elk and at about 600 yards and he, one of you guys told me, he looked over and he goes, how far can your brother make a clean shot? <laughs> and he, and you, I think your response was, 
as far as he needs to. How far is it? Yeah. <laughs> and so, so that happened. And then the wobbling. And then, yeah, once I got my nerves under control, my breathing, I was warmed up. I had my hands under the exhaust. I come back over, dance holding the rifle. And I'm like, all right, I'm ready. Like, this is this is the spot. And I get on it. And I'm right on it and I'm calm and steady. It's not swaying an inch, you know, and I'm, I'm confident I can make a clean shot and I let it rip. Well, as any hunter knows, a lot of times when you shoot, especially when you're excited, when you're cold, when you're nervous, everything, you don't get your eye right back in the scope and are watching. So I shoot and I make the mistake of pulling my head up to look instead of staring through the scope. And I go to put my head back down through the scope and I just hear everyone go crazy. You dropped it. You folded it. It's done. And I'm just no way. And I get on the scope and I look and I see it kind of has its head up a little bit, but it's down. And I just, I don't even know if I lost it first or if everybody just ran up to me, just congratulating me. You know, uh, I think one or two people stayed on it. I think you stayed on it on the spotter scope for a minute yep. and then, Addie's boyfriend, I think, was also staying on it, watching it. And, yeah, and once we confirmed it was down, it was just – it was insane. We we celebrated. Everybody was so, so great. I mean, I was still a nervous wreck. I'm just like, wait, is it – what actually happened? Like, this thing's dead. Like, we got it for sure. And everybody's like, yeah, it's down. It's not moving at all. It's not moving at all. And I think it was Sean, he, he was the one person that's just like, you never know, it might get back up. And I'm just like, but is it getting back up? Like, what's, what's happening right now? No, we, we watched it just drop. And you made a perfect shot on it. I mean, we don't do the high shoulder shots. We, we go for vitals. Like, every time we shoot an elk, we're going for vitals. Um, yeah. And they might run farther, but... Uh, I bought a 300 PRC last year and last year, I think that that gun put either the initial or at least the finishing touch shot on five different bulls. I think it, I think it was responsible for the first shot on three bulls and then two of the bulls, the first shot was with a different rifle and it like the bull either ran and fell and wasn't fully dead or something like that. And so then they were like, Hey, can I use your rifle? And then we just shot the the follow-up shot with that. And so I'm like, dude, this thing's got a ton of knockdown power. And when you shot, I saw the impact and I was like, dude, he didn't even hit spine, but he dropped it. And I think based off of quartering it out, like skinning it out, pulling the back straps, there was nothing wrong with the spine at all what happened is you double lunged it, but you got high enough on the double lungs that I think just the impact of the bullet hitting the ribs, the whole chest cavity, I think it took out its spine. Like, I think the shock of it, like dropped it like a boxer would drop if you hit it in the back, hit him in the back of the head, you know? And, and so you double lunged him for sure. Didn't ruin any meat whatsoever. And I think by the time that he would have regained composure and been able to get back up, he was already expired because it was a perfect double lung shot. Yeah. Yeah. And even in the video, you can see it lift its head once, go down a little bit, then lift its head again. And you can see it kind of trying to get up, 
and then you just see it drop and it yeah. was movement after that i mean yeah. i agree with that i think you know if it would have stayed on its feet it probably would have ran a bit it still would have died we would have got the elk but since where i hit it it was able to drop it and then with going through double lung it didn't have the gas to get back up yeah i mean i think the whole video i mean it was like 15 minutes of video from the time i hit record and i bet you that bull was standing we we were within range of that bull for probably 25 to 30 minutes and you know some of we're i'm just thankful that it stuck around long enough to give you a shot like that or like to allow you to calm down get warmed up and make the shot but you dropped it right there and back to back to how thick these hillsides are from from across i mean you could see it where that bull was standing luckily he stopped in a spot that had an opening to his vitals somebody did mention like right in front of the bull was some scrub oak uh, just a little bit and they're like i was gonna shoot i asked but that was when i was shaking i was like there's there's a little bit of rush in front of it am i good you know i just wanted to make sure because i've never elk hunted that was the furthest shot i've made and killed an animal not including target practice is different but as far as killing an animal um but i was still confident in it once i quit (laughs) quit shaking um but yeah i was worried i mean i've never i've always white-tailed hunt with you and you know where we hunt you know it's not you, we, we don't have that kind of um, brush around where it's no, like. We grew up shooting iron sight 20 gauge and 12 gauge. Like we didn't have long shots. We had not necessarily wide open shots, but like 70 yards is really yeah. all we, I think I've killed one deer in those woods in Wisconsin. That was over a hundred yards. Everything else was typically like 40 to 50. I think my longest aside from one shot over a hundred was like 73 yards. Yep. And last year was my longest. And I think that was probably about 300, but I wasn't in the woods. I was hunting the fields that day. So I was able to make that shot and be able to see the, see the deer. But, but you, so you, you made that shot and looking back at the video, there was some brush. You had mentioned it to me like, Hey, is it going to punch through that? And you you place it in kind of an opening your shot in an opening where you didn't even go through any brush but if you had tried to go for a heart shot you would have definitely clipped a couple things but you placed it high enough on the lungs to where it just i mean it cleared all the brush and that 300 with it only being a foot in front of the animal like i wasn't worried about it anyways but i was like dude if if he does clip a little bit of it he's still gonna smoke vitals like this gun's on we sighted it in the day before season or two days before season, whatever that was. Got some rounds through it, made sure the zero is good at 200 yards. And yeah, dude, you just smoked that thing. And you didn't, dude, at first, you didn't say a word. It was everybody else was celebrating first. Everyone's yeah. like, dude, you dropped it. You dropped it. And you're just standing there, like holding the gun. You look like you just saw a ghost. Yep. Yeah. Oh, man. But that was that was pretty wild. So then uh, some of our crew was like, hey, why don't you guys go get started quartering it? And we're going to go and hunt farther down the road. 
and just let us know, like, give us a call when it's quartered and we'll come help you pack it out. Well, where we were, we had to drive way up the road to the top of this point and then walk this finger ridge down to the elk. And so I was like, totally fine. You guys, you guys go hunt. Well, then we get down to the elk and we don't have cell service. And so I was like, crap, we're not even going to be able to tell them when we're done. Well, I was going to call my wife at the top and everybody goes, oh, y'all have cell service there. Just call her when you get to it. FaceTime her. And I get down there nothing. And I'm just like, dang it. I really want to show her this, you know. Um, but we were able to make it down. And I think it was it was either you or Nick. I think it was you. But we're hiking down looking for tracks because those cows took off up over the ridge when I took that shot. I think a couple of them went over before I even took the shot. Um, so we're looking for tracks while hiking down and we're going through some pretty thick stuff. And I hadn't seen any tracks at this point any or anything. I think you and Nick were probably maybe 15, 20 yards ahead of me spaced out a little bit looking around. And I just hear one of you guys go, Hey Josh, why don't you take this way? And I'm just like, no way they see it. I was like, which way? And they point and I just, hiked through and sure enough came up it was completely dead didn't have to take a second shot on it nothing and just laying there and i mean incredible moment (laughs) dude when we got down there i was like where the heck is it like we knew we knew where this bull was but again when you're on the same hillside you can't see through it and so we were dropping down like a couple different fingers with knobs on the end of them and or that same ridge line it just had a couple steep spots and so we'd get out and i'd be like all right i'm gonna glass and see if i can see this thing dude we could not see that thing at all i didn't see that bull until we were probably five yards from it and you were following us because i was like all right it's down on this face more it's not all the way up on the ridge and i was like i i was walking and i look over and i just see brown And I knew what it was, but I didn't get a good look at it. And that's when I was like, dude, don't drop down by us. Like, stay a little more towards the top. Yeah. And I turn and I start going back up because it was so thick to get to it from where I was. And I walk three or four feet, can't even see it anymore. And I'm like, dude, what the heck? I mean, it was really, really difficult to see. But you got you got over there. First time quartering an elk out. I mean, what was that like? Oh, an experience for sure. You showed me most of it and did a lot of it for me. Um, I was more just cutting skin back and and figuring it out. I had no idea that those shoulders don't have bones connecting. It's just tissue. Yeah. And thinking, where's our saw at? What you know? And no, we're just using that one little Havlon and just going through it and. I mean, you're able to do the whole thing with it, which, I mean, surprised the heck out of me. I had no idea. It takes a lot longer than you think. Because my thought, never doing it, I'm like, oh, it's somewhat like a whitetail, you know. But all yeah. the white, we can field dress them, rag them up, hang them up, do what we have to do. That was just a totally different experience. And the size of that, the body on that bull I mean, we're, we were taking off giant quarters that I just couldn't even believe. I mean, those even those back straps, when I held it up, I'm just like, holy crap. These <laughs> are, like, this is insane. 
Dude, they go on for days, man. I mean, it's like there's a lot of meat on those animals, but that bull for being a five by five and not taking anything away from the rack, but for being a younger bull had one of the biggest bodies I've ever seen on an elk. I mean, like it was giant. And I think part of that is because I know Colorado had a really rough winter last year, but what that means is the next spring is going to have a ton of vegetation. Like if it's super wet when the snow melts, that's just going to be more moisture for stuff to grow. And the the rain, living out here in Colorado, we had the most rain I've seen in the four or five years I've been out here for springtime. I mean, it rained all the time and everything was growing and growing early and growing flush, you know? Yeah. And so, yeah, I think not only that, all the animals, they had plenty to eat all summer long. Yeah. I mean, he was, he was a huge bull. We got him quartered out, got a bunch of content, which we've got an episode coming out, a YouTube episode coming out. Nick's going to keep working on it. I think this weekend he's going to hit it hard and try to get all of that put together for a full episode. But we we got it all quartered out. Addie and her boyfriend came down the mountain, helped us pack it out. And yeah. so we split all the meat up. You took the head and we started hiking up Addie and her boyfriend loaded up a quarter right away. And we still had to finish getting all of our gear packed back up, get the, get the quarters on our backs, get the head on your shoulders. And they took off up the mountain. Well then me, you and Nick, we finished getting our packs loaded and we start heading up. And that's when you realize exactly what packing out an elk is like. Well, and the thing about that is it wasn't even the weight of it. Cause I had the head. But I live in Colorado, and so um, – sorry, I got a call coming in. Oh, you're good. Nah. Um, living in Colorado, I'm used to the elevation. My wife and I, we do a lot of hunting or a lot of hiking and snowboarding and stuff. Not a big deal. I didn't account for the brush we had to go through. Yep. I mean, you find me. And it was every five feet, I'm stuck on something, carrying those antlers out. And it was like every 10 feet, I'd have to take a break. There's multiple times I took my pack off and just sat down in the snow. And I just, granted, the dumb part of me, I didn't eat anything all day because we were <laughs> well, we were on our way out there when I shot it. And it was in the morning. And by the time we were hiking out with it, it was 2 p.m. or so, you know, 1, 1 p.m. maybe um after quartering it and everything and so i was just exhausted had no food in my system had some water and maybe a cup i think i pulled out like a nutty bar and ate it or something um part way up but going through that brush was like something i've never done it felt like i was hiking with people (laughs) grabbing my shoulders just pulling me backwards hiking up a mountain yeah, dude, the weight the weight sitting high up like that is always more challenging. I mean, most of most of the meat packs or game packs, you know, the the weight is down basically right behind your lower back. It's tight to your body, but the head is always a chore, especially when you have to walk through thick stuff like that. I mean, there are spots without antlers, it's tough to get through. And yeah. like just having a rifle but yeah, you had to take a couple breaks. I told you, dude, just take your time. We had a couple snacks on the way up on a couple of those breaks. And then 
we made it up to the top and everybody was super pumped. I mean, they were, they were losing their minds, but we get to the top and you're like, dude, I got to head back to camp. I got to eat something. And I told Nick, I'm like, man, I'd like to go out. And Dan was out there too. And he's like, dude, you mind if I tag along? So we all are getting loaded up on the four wheelers, packing our gear again, getting our bags strapped down. And that's when I realize my mag for my rifle's gone. Yep. And I mean, we just walked through snow, through some of the thickest brush. And what had happened, I think, is that one of those scrub oak branches caught my mag release as I was packing out and yep. dumped my mag. And I I never even went back to look for it. I was like, dude, this is a needle in a haystack. I, we'd have better luck finding a needle in a haystack. Especially with the snow. I mean, it just, it fell and went right under that snow. You would it would have been so hard to find. Yeah. So that's out there somewhere. Unfortunately, I still haven't got a replacement. I've got to get one, but we get back to the four wheeler. You went back with most of the group, uh, Nick and I, and Dan, we went out to another spot. Glass didn't really see much The all week long. My whole plan all week long was to bomb in. I wanted to dive in, go deep, find an elk and kill one. And unfortunately all week long, I didn't, I never did that once because of the hunts, because of other people killing stuff. And then finally the final day, the final day gets there. Oh, so we, we go out the next morning and we go to the spot that we were going to head to. And you didn't, you weren't with that day. You were running, you were running errands because somebody's tire. Yeah. Somebody's tire came off. There's two flat tires so a couple of us, um, and since I already harvested my elk, um, I think Sean was going to volunteer to go do it. And I was like, dude, you don't have to go do that. Go, go fill your tag. You know, I was like, I, I could go out and help people glass, but let me go to town. Let me do all of this stuff. So yeah, we went to town and ended up getting the tires fixed for the ATV and the quad, but yep. Yeah, so you went and did that, and then me and a bunch of other people went to, like, our golden spot where we always see elk. And we get up there, and we park. We start looking around. I pull my rifle out of my hard case on the on the four-wheeler, but I didn't load around yet. And, again, I don't have my mag, so it's not even a quick process to load around. And yeah. so we get up on top, and we're glassing way out, like – 700 yards and farther out and so the whole time i'm thinking okay if we see one i'm gonna have time to load up and you know depending on where we're at i don't most of the time i don't keep one in the chamber anyways because it's i've never been in a situation where it's like i have to pull my rifle up flip the safety off and shoot yeah and so i typically don't have one in the chamber we're all looking way out with our binos and dan walks up behind us and he's like oh there's one and we're like, oh, you got an elk? He's like, dude, it's right below you. And we look down, and here's this legal bull at 300 yards right underneath us. And so now I'm scrambling to just single load around in my rifle. And by the time I get it loaded and get it on the shooting sticks, this bull had already gone around the point, and we never saw it again. But yeah. they were watching it the whole time as I'm trying to load my rifle. And Sean was like, he was a giant dude. He was a huge six point side on one side, busted off 
on the other. He he was busted off above his second on the other. But I'm like, dude, I would have definitely taken a shot. And so that one got away. Um, after that, it was basically it came down to the final day. And I was I was like, all right, guys, I'm going in today. We had a group of, let's see, it was me, me, Nick, Sean, Fish, and Trinidad. The five of us were going to go in. We had this solid game plan. Shane was going to stay up on top in glass. We were going to push in down a mountain, through a valley, up and over another mountain, and meet on the back side of that next mountain. And we're on our way out there. I'm super pumped. I'm finally dropping in, like I've said all week long, that I'm going to do. And it was at that point that we're, we get to the same spot where you shot from. What do we see in the dirt? Fresh bear tracks, like that morning, fresh. Yeah. And they're just in the dirt on the two track. We start, we start glassing immediately. Don't see this bear anywhere. And so we're like, all right, you know what? We're going to drive around the valley and glass back down. So like basically right at the same spot or close to the same spot where it dropped into that valley, the fresh snow tracks did, it dropped in there again. And yeah. so we scoot around the valley and we probably only looked for a couple minutes and Sean's like, I got him. Yeah. And I'm like, all right, well, now we're going to try to shoot this bear. It's super early in the day. I mean, it was like not even nine o'clock at this point. And I'm like, all right, we're on this bear. We've got two guys with tags. I knew that you were coming up with some of the other guys. And I was like, we're going to end up having three guys with tags up here for, for this bear. I didn't have a bear tag. I always get a bear tag. And for whatever reason this year, I did not get one. Well, we watched this bear and everyone's like, dude, we're going to drop in on him. We're going to drop in on him. I'm like, dude, why? Like, okay, you could probably get down there pretty quickly and get a shot at him at like three, 400 yards. But once they all dropped in, you hadn't gotten up there yet. And I'm like, okay, if somebody was up here with a bear tag, they could shoot this bear with my rifle right now. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, well, you know, I've got my phone set up on my scope, getting a ton of video, following this bear, and we're watching it. We're watching uh, Fish and Sean drop down in on it. We're watching Trinidad go another way on it. And this bear just is working its way across the hills. And all of a sudden, it just beds down and basically disappears. And we're like, what the heck? Like, what the heck? Of course it's going to do that. And yeah. I'm like, all right, we're just going to keep watching. It's going to get, it's going to get up. We could see Sean and fish and they already had the rifle up on the tripod. And so I'm like, they know, they see it. They know where it's bedded down. Trinidad was down a different finger. We had no idea what was going on with him. And everybody's down. I think Sean and fish were within 350 of it. Trinidad yeah. was probably around. 450 of it maybe maybe less than that and we're just watching and for an hour goes by and i'm like okay oh he's getting up and he would get up stretch and lay back down and i'm like dang it we could tell from where we were 
that they couldn't actually see the bear. They just know where it was bedded. Yeah. And so like, they can't see it when it gets up like that, but all around it, it had somewhat of an opening to where it's like, okay, if it actually gets up and moves, they're going to be able to shoot it. Yeah. And an hour goes by two, three, four, five, six hours go by. By that point, you guys had already gotten up there. We sent you basically around the valley from where we were and had you drop in on it. All right, if you're not using Tacticam's reveal cell cameras on your hunting property for scouting or monitoring the wildlife, you are seriously missing out. When you pair that with the reveal mobile app, you can see the action as it's happening, no matter where you are. In fact, I've got trail cameras up in Wisconsin on the land that we hunt. And not only do I get pictures from those cameras sent to me, I can also track the progress of the camera, the battery life, how much memory is left on the SD card, and I can see what the weather's doing at the time that a picture is taken. So I can't think of a better tool for scouting, whether it is close to home or in a totally different state. So if you want to stay tuned into the action or just get into the action, go to revealcellcam.com or tactcam.com and use code NOMADIC for 10% off at checkout. If you're an avid listener of this podcast, you've probably heard me talking about Infinite Outdoors in the past. Infinite Outdoors is expanding access for hunting and fishing on private land across the country. From whitetail hunts in Missouri to waterfowl hunts in Wyoming and pheasant hunts in Colorado, they provide access to over a million acres of private land listings for all types of hunting and fishing. Best part is, it's incredibly easy to browse and book properties all on the Infinite Outdoors app. The app is free to download and easy to use. All you have to do is sign up and you can browse over 250 different adventures across 10 states. Download the app today and use Nomadic 15 for 15% off your membership. All right, guys, I've got to tell you about some of the new XOP products that I've been using this fall. And some of them I use in kind of an unconventional way. First off, I use the Mondo saddle, but I also use their Turkey Hunter vest and I take the cold world stand, put it in the back of the vest, and carry it in that way. Depending on how far I have to pack in, I'll just bring a foot platform, but one thing I've learned is that if I put the seat cushion on the underside of the seat and flip it up, it turns it into a knee pad also, or I can flip the seat down and sit on it like a conventional tree stand. I also use their holster kit clipped right onto my saddle to carry in my climbing sticks while keeping my hands free. If you're interested in getting a mobile hunting setup like mine, go to xopoutdoors.com and use code NOMADIC for 10% off at checkout. Just, <laughs> okay, <laughs> there's the bear, move to this spot. Well, when you're going down through that brush, you can't see a thing. And we made it maybe 50 yards, and the one guy dropping in with me was like, this is sketchy, dude. I hear things. I, I hear something moving. And I'm like, I don't really hear anything moving. And they're like, yeah, I'm turning around. I'm not doing this. And so I'm just by myself, blindly walking down this mountainside. And I know get to this opening. If I head east, I'm going to run into this bear at some point. Yeah. going to shoot it when it gets up. And so that's what I did. And so I'm like. Yeah. So I'm like, at this point, we've got three guys on three different sides of this bear. This bear is not getting away. 
and we're just watching. There's nothing we can do. None of us have tags. At this point, the other group that was at Spike Camp, they had made it out and came and joined us on the trail. And so we're all, I mean, we've got six different guys with eyes on this bear. And I'm like watching it. I didn't turn my phone off. I was I was like, normally I call my wife a couple times if I'm in service throughout the day. Didn't call her at all because I was using my phone in my case. Nobody had the same phone as me, so I couldn't even swap it out. So I'm like, dude, I'm down to 20% battery. I'm down to 10% battery. This is going to die soon. Like I'm going to lose this in the spotting scope, which was by far the best view of it. I mean, my spotter goes up to 60 power. And so I'm like, nobody else, everyone else has 10 by binoculars, you know? And so I'm like, we got to maintain visual of this bear so that we know, we know what happens or if it moves up the ridge, we can send a guy around and tell you guys what's going on, you know? And I'm watching the bear and now I can see you and you're almost on top of it. And like, I mean, within 70 yards of this bear, but you're on the wrong side of a finger. And I'm like, there's no way he can see it from there. Did you ever hear me yell? No, no. I heard that you did yell. Everybody told me that I never heard a thing. I was just, I was walking as slow as I could. I'm down there by myself. And I mean, that was a big bear. One of the biggest I've seen. It was huge. And I'm just walking as slow as I can. And I know it's somewhere in front of me, but like you said, when you're watching from one side, you can see it. You get down there. You have no idea where this thing is. You could be yards from it and have no clue. And so I was just walking nice and slow. I had my tripod in one hand rifle on my shoulder on the or on my other shoulder and i'm just walking as slow as i can and i came up over that finger and i'm looking i kind of stopped for a second start looking and i don't know how far it was from me i'd say 30 40 yards maybe well dude this- before before that happened i saw you on the wrong side of the finger and so i go dude should i just yell to him and everyone's like i mean it's not going to hurt at this point. We need this bear to either he needs to get up on it and get a shot or he needs to bump it up. So somebody else can get a shot. And this bear, it was crazy, man. When you first crested the top to start dropping down, boom, that bear's head picked up and he's staring straight at you. And I don't (laughs) think he could see you, but I think he could hear you and the wind. I don't know how it was on your side of the Valley on our side. I was like, dude, this wind's got to be blowing straight to the bear from Josh but it's the mountains. There's no telling what it's doing a thousand yards away. And so you're going down that, that finger. And then you kind of went to the left a little bit, I think just to get a better path down the mountain. Yeah. And that's when I yelled where I could actually move through to get into the open. Cause I were, I mean, from your guys' standpoint, everybody was like, dude, it didn't look that thick. It was way thicker than what we hiked elk in or out of like there was times when I was hiking back up that after this, where I literally had to get down on my hands and knees and crawl under stuff. Cause I wasn't breaking through it. I mean, it yeah. was the thing. <laughs> Dude, it, it was, I mean, it was gnarly. It was painful to sit back and watch and know there's nothing we can do about it. Yeah. And so anyways, I yelled and it was actually right after I yelled that you were in the clearing and I just, I whistled as loud as I could and then I yelled and said, go to your right. <laughs> and 
I kid you not. I thought you heard me like even up until this conversation, I thought you heard me because you like turned and went over that knob. And that's when you basically walked right up on the bear. Yeah. Which is crazy. Cause yeah, I didn't hear a thing that you said. I just, I kind of knew where I was, knew the area of the bear, but I needed to get to that opening. And so I went, yeah, down to the left, like you said, and then I got to that opening and I was like, all right, now I got to head east. And so I started heading east, but I didn't know, you know, when you're looking from one area, it doesn't matter what, when you're on the same hillside, it's, I didn't know if it was two knobs away from me, three knobs away from me. If it was right on that knob, I had no clue. So I just started walking and sure enough, I came over that first knob and I'm moving slow and I'm watching. And apparently the bear had already stood up before I yeah. got over. I never saw anything. I get up there and I'm moving slow, just looking. And I just see right in front of me, you know, 30, 40 yards in front of me, this giant bear takeoff running. <laughs> and I, I mean, especially for that size, that thing moves so stinking quick. I tried to put my tripod down, grab the rifle. By the time I could even do that, it was over the knob. Couldn't see yeah. it. And that's when it ran down and, Sean and them were up on the other hillside to the north. And they, and from my understanding, I thought they were waiting for it to move. Yeah. But I don't know what they were doing. I thought they were close enough that they could see it once it got up and started moving. And I'm like, okay, somebody's going to shoot this thing once it starts running. Well, it's running. Nobody's shooting. And I'm just like, oh, crap. Like, what? I, I don't know what's happening at this point. And so I'm trying to find this bear because it went over the knob. And then it ran up to... Sean and them, and I could have swore it made it within 40 yards, headed straight at them. And I was like, oh, they're going to drop this thing. And I'm not going to – at that point, I could have taken a shot. It wasn't very far. And it was it was moving pretty quick, but it was moving uphill so slower. But it's 40 yards from two other hunters. I'm not taking that shot, you know. I'm yeah. like, they're going to down on it and drop this thing. Well, talking to them after, they never even saw it. I guess one of them thought they heard it running oh, through dude, fish fish said he watched it run across had no shot they they i think they saw movement at one point and from our point of view it stood up so right as you get there my phone died so like i never got video of the bear getting up and running and it got up it moved like five feet and then it just went on a dead sprint and it went up and over the knob. We could still see it. It sprints over, gets to a wash, and drops straight down in the valley. And now we don't see it at all. Yeah. But at that point, I think we heard a shot. And we were like, dude, that was only one shot. Like, awesome. Well, fish, apparently, I don't know the sequence of events that happened, who was doing what. But they said they heard it coming straight at them. He's like, dude, I was getting ready. I thought it was going to run us over. Like we could hear it busting through the brush coming directly to us. And it dropped down in the valley again. And I don't know how many shots rang out. I don't know who shot, how many times people shot, but we never did see that bear again from the top. It was all down right in the middle of all of you guys. Yeah. So, yeah. And I don't know how many, yeah, I, again, I don't know how many shots either. I shot twice. I know that. But I had a rifle I'd never shot before. 
um because you had your 300 back um and then so i'm using somebody else's rifle and this i mean oh because you went up above but you yeah i had both my rifles with me and you were using i think when you got above it i think at that point you probably realized like i don't have dan's rifle and so you use beck's rifle yeah beck's so you used his rifle and again i don't know how many shots long long story short several shots rang out uh i find out later that trinidad had multiple opportunities to kill this bear but i was (laughs) well but the thing is nobody knew because you got up there late yeah gone and fish they didn't know you were there trinidad didn't know you were there and so he saw you dropping down trinidad sean and them know me so i think they were watching me walk down and knew okay this guy's with us i find out the other guy i'd never met before he just got in that day and i met him that night and he's like dude i had no clue who you were i just thought you were another hunter and i was wondering why are you walking down this mountainside well, we're staring at this bear. Yeah, he had no idea I was even with you guys. Yeah, so he wasn't going to shoot because he was like, oh, this. Uh, he told, I think he was talking to somebody else and I overheard. He was like, dude, I saw this guy walking down. I didn't know who he was, didn't think he was with our group. And obviously he was going after this bear. And so I wasn't just going to shoot it out from under him. And yeah. it turns out he had multiple times where he could have shot the bear. And that brings me to another point from the other side the guys with you that stayed up on the top, they could see Trinidad. And apparently he walked down, got to a spot where he thought he was going to get a shot, set his pack and his rifle down, and then was like, oh, it looks a little bit better down there. And so he walked to see what the vantage point was. And then he forgot where his rifle and his pack were. And so they said he was just zigzagging, looking for his gear. And that's why we tell everybody, do not drop your, like, do not, if you're (laughs) moving anywhere, if you're moving 15 feet, bring your stuff, because otherwise you're going to move 15 feet, want to move another 15, move another 15. And before you know it, you're out of sight. And if you don't have fresh tracks or fresh snow to follow your tracks back, there's no telling if you're going to find your stuff again. Well, and I noticed that too, even when I was hiking down, because I was looking at everybody, because I could see you guys way up on top. I could see Sean and them, and then I could see him. And I'm, I was just like, why is this guy moving around so much? Like, <laughs> must be trying to get a good shot at this thing before he takes it. And that was what was going through my mind. Yeah. But to come to find out, he had lost his rifle and his pack, and he was just back and forth, up and down the mountain over and over again. Jeez. So that was, I mean, I think that took up six hours of my day on the final day of the hunt. And because yeah. we were, me, you, and Nick were leaving the next morning. A bunch of the other people were hanging out and hunting still. And I was like, man, like I really wanted to drop in. By the time everything was said and done, no bear on the ground, I was like, dude, I'm going. Like we're going to go hunt. And so Nick and I went and we dropped down this finger glassing across the side. We didn't have enough time to actually bomb in, but we went farther down than we had yet. And we glassed up two bulls. Both of them were legal, but tiny, like super tiny. 
and yeah. they were at 1300 yards and I wasn't about to Dang. take a third. Like, I just don't, I trust myself shooting and I've shot 1100 yards with that rifle. But I was like, listen, if these bulls drop down this mountain, the way that we saw one do a couple days before, I would shoot one at like seven, 800, maybe even 850, but I'm not taking a shot yeah. at 1300. So we sat and sat and sat hoping they would come down and they actually went up and over the opposite direction. And so yeah. that ended my hunt, man. That was it. We ended up. So you got yours, Tubby's son got his, Tubby got one, and then Justin went out and got one. And the three bulls that that group shot, they shot back where I kept saying, I'm going to bomb in, I'm going to bomb in, I'm going to bomb in. And everyone's like, dude, don't drop in if you're not seeing elk, don't drop in. And I'm like, dude, that's, if you're not seeing elk, you got to do something. You know, like I'm not yeah. a road hunter. I don't just hang out on two tracks. In fact, Sean even told you, He's never killed one like that from the two track. And yeah. all the elk that we've killed out there, none Put of them have the been right there. First year, and I got a knob named after me. <laughs> Dude, shut up, man. I've killed three bulls out there, and they still won't let me name anything after myself. Uh, Doesn't so, matter. <laughs> so out of, out of the four bulls shot, you were the only one that put in for the bull contest. So you yep. ended up with first biggest and smallest. Well, so I don't know about that now. So Dave ended up shooting a melee. That doesn't matter. It's not part of the bull contest. <laughs> the only other, uh, the only time that you can get, uh, get money that's not for a bull is if you shoot first. It's just first tag filled. It's not first bull. It's first uh, tag filled. Yeah, I didn't know how that worked, but yeah, so I talked to Sean the other day because um, I was thinking about going to to Denver for Thanksgiving, but I'm going to end up staying here. But uh, yeah, Dave ended up filling his muley tag, I think, two days after we left, which brings me back to I saw the biggest muley. I mean, you were there that I've ever seen, but didn't have a tag for it. Just yeah, nobody was up there when you saw that when you saw that mule deer. I mean, we would give reports to everybody back at camp if people were hanging out at camp or like we'd all converge back at camp every day and just say, hey, guys, this is what we saw. This is where you should go if you've got this tag, whatever. But I don't know what the total count on, on elk was. I don't I haven't really talked to anybody after we left, but I know that as an entire camp, we saw less elk this year in the five days that we hunted than yeah. I normally do in one day. And so it was just dead and the guys are talking. I mean, I don't know what the plan is yet. If, if they're going to move camps next year, if they're going to change seasons, I don't think it was a winter kill issue. I really don't because we didn't find any dead animals, you know, I, I think feel it was like we would have for too long that nothing migrated in. Yeah. If I think it was just too warm. And they hadn't pushed down into our area yet, but whatever the case is, it was a, it was a slow year. I'm really happy that in the first five days that I was there, that we ended up killing four bulls. Like that's super awesome. I'm super pumped that you got that, that bull. It would have been icing on the cake to get a bear also, but yeah, my year's just been, uh, been pretty slow but i'm about to head out tomorrow morning i've got two days of rifle season here in missouri before heading up to wisconsin 
for those that listened to the Wisconsin archery hunt, I shot that buck, didn't recover him. Um, I've got word that that buck is alive still on its feet and, but it looks like he's got a busted leg. So I'm going up there Friday for Saturday's opener. And I'm going to, if you're listening to this podcast, the day that it comes out, which is Thursday, Thursday, the 16th, I'm going up to Wisconsin on the fit on the 17th. The hunt starts on the 18th and I'm going to go back to that Island and hopefully close that chapter. Um, and if not, I'll go back to our normal property. I'm going to hunt there Saturday, Sunday, just camp out probably in my truck or next to my truck. And, uh, we'll see what happens, but I've had a lot of deer on camera. Of course, when we were in Colorado, I had giant, an absolute giant buck bigger than any buck I've had that frequently on camera. I had never seen him before. And of course, the day that the day that we leave for elk camp, he shows up on trail camera at night. The 27th of October, he shows up during the day. The 31st of October, he shows up during the day. The 1st of November, he shows up during the day. And I haven't seen him since on camera. But I've had other shooter bucks throughout that throughout the past week, week and a half, actually two weeks, show up during daylight. And then we were on our way back from Florida this morning. And we had a layover in Houston. And when I landed there, I saw that one of my shooters had been right in front of my stand or right in front of one of my setups this morning. So I'm going to go to that setup in the morning. In fact, Josh, why don't you tell us a funny joke or something? I'm going to look and see if I've got any other action going on on my trail cameras right now. Why did the kid fall off of his bike? (laughs) This is the dumbest. Yeah, but it's funny because his dad threw a refrigerator at him. <laughs> but um, <laughs> wah, wah, wah. um, so I've got a couple small bucks working around. Um, after dark, I've got a giant bobcat on my twenty-five acres. Actually, really? Yeah, look at this thing. He's he's come in a couple times. Normally, I see him on my other property on my other hunting property. I don't know if you can see that very well. Oh yeah, I can see him. That's just his tail end walking away from the camera. He's come through. Uh, I think actually tomorrow Bobcat opens up here. So that'd be kind of a a cool deal, but I'm going to try to get out and shoot a, a buck tomorrow with my rifle. And if not Thursday, Friday, we head up to Wisconsin Then I've got the Wisconsin hunt and then archery when I get back. So who knows what's going to happen, man. It's been a weird year for the rut. It's been just kind of really different timing than what I'm used to. Normally, like this past week, like the the 3rd through the 12th seems to be the hot time here in Missouri. And I saw a lot of daylight activity before that. In Wisconsin, we saw rutting activity on October 11th, uh, 9th, 10th, and 11th. Mom's got well, mom mom's just, getting a bunch of just, stuff. Yeah, just the other, uh, you know, sick last week. She she got them fighting on her camera, and I mean they're moving pretty good right now. And I think you guys have a good. I'm not coming up this year um, for rifle. Just can't get the time off work. But 
you guys don't have many people out there hunting. If you guys do it right, I mean, you guys can cover that woods and not have too much pressure on them, you know, just to know. I think, I I think it's going to be a good year. Um, something happened. I still don't know if somebody stole my trail cameras, both of them quit working on the same day. Um, like I just quit getting any information from them. I can't reset them. I can't do anything. So I don't know if somebody stole them. I mean, it's private ground, but there are other bow hunters that I know that hunt out there, but they just haven't been doing anything. I've had no communication with my cameras, but leading up to that, I did get a couple good bucks on it. Mom's had a bunch of good bucks out there serious rutting activity i've got other buddies in wisconsin who have been shooting big bucks that have been chasing so it's going to be it's going to be a fun couple weeks coming up and we'll see what happens but i'm going to let you go i'm going to finish knocking out the last touches on this podcast and then get ready for a hunt in the morning yeah good luck and good luck up there tell everybody i said hey make sure you show jeff that elk yeah, I will. <laughs> I'll show him that elk and uh congrats, dude. Super awesome Thanks. hunting with you. You yeah, got to for- you got to just practice pushing through some, through some scrub oak for next year. Please, I'm going to put on a 50-pound rucksack and just, just have 50 people stand in front of me and not move and try to run through them. <laughs> dude, and you so and you're selling your 28 nozzler, right? You're going to get that same setup that I have. I plan on selling it. Just I've got to do some research on what it's worth and what somebody wants to pay. And then I'm going to put the the winnings towards the same setup. Yeah. I'll yeah, probably so, keep my scope, not buy a new scope um, and put but, that on it. But other than that, but you're going to put your bull contest winnings towards it. You're going to sell the 28 nozzler. If anybody's listening to this and is interested in buying a really, really sweet rifle, it is a 28 nozzler. It's a Hell's Canyon long range, uh, Hell's Canyon speed by Browning 28 nozzler, super sweet rifle. I absolutely love it. I did tell you, if you ever sell it, you have to sell it back to me. But if you're going to upgrade to the 300 PRC setup, you don't have to sell it back to me. You can sell it to somebody else and put the money towards it. So, um, I'm happy with my 300 PRC, although that rifle is pretty sick. Um, yeah, if anybody's interested, hit me up on social media. Let me know. Only probably 60 rounds through it. Still, I mean, a great gun chamber as well. I mean, it shoots dead on. I was shooting it at 600 yards. Um, this is probably like four or five months ago, but 600 yards still shoots dead on. So <laughs> Nice. Yeah. Well, sweet, dude. Um, bummer you're not coming up to Wisconsin, but again, congrats. It's been a year for you. First ever bull. Yes, Dude, you got to yep. keep the Matthews streak going. There hasn't been a Matthews in that camp without killing a bull. Except for you this year. <laughs> I'm no, I'm saying, sorry. Every year that I a know. Matthews has been in that camp, a Matthews has killed a bull. You can't <laughs> yeah. give me too much crap, dude. You got two more years in a row that you got to make it happen before you can. <laughs> and you got to get a mule no, tag and fill that. that. So... <laughs> No, congrats. I'm going to let you go. Um, I thought I was going to do some other stuff, but Sam just came in with her syringe and uh, she's got to take another shot for surrogacy. So I've got to go help her with that quick and then get this podcast ready so everybody can listen to it in two days. All right. We'll see you. All right. Adios. Adios.